Hi folks, my name is Kevin Dunn and welcome to Agency Unfiltered, a bi-weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners around agency operations, growth, and scale. Nobody knows how to scale agencies better than those that are already doing it and they're happy to share an unfiltered look into what has worked and what hasn't. Joining us today is John Kelleher and Lucy Seymour, directors of ESM Inbound, a London-based agency. Using the adage, how you sell is why you win, ESM Inbound made a move to productize their agency services. Clients can buy individual services and products a la carte with no retainer commitments and frictionless cancellation. Learn more about their decision to make this pivot, their early successes, and their lessons learned in this episode of Agency Unfiltered. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining Agency Unfiltered. We're, we're super excited to have you both. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a great topic. Um, I think uh, you both, it sounds like you're doing some really interesting things in the way uh, that you build contracts and you communicate your services out to clients. And so um, you could probably explain it more eloquently, but if I say productizing your agency services, like what exactly does that look like uh, for ESM Inbound? <laughs> yeah, it looked it's looked like a lot of things over a long time. Sure. So, so it's been an iterative yeah. process. Absolutely, okay. yeah. So originally we were like many other HubSpot partner agencies, sort of three three sets of retained packages. Sure. Those retainers were twelve month arrangements um, with maybe a six month or uh, ninety day break clauses in there. Sometimes even thirty days. Yeah. Um, and then we started listening probably at Partner Day last year. Um, we really first heard the, the message of the flywheel and the whole sell how you want to be sold to thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there's nothing I buy where I'm signing up to a 12-month retainer um, of that magnitude, of that cost, that feels like that's how I want to buy. Sure. So we thought, how do we buy stuff? Well, we buy stuff on low commitment, on subscriptions, on easy cancellation and stuff like that. Is that possible to take to an agency model? Well, we gave it a go and it's worked. And so now we offer people the ability to buy a blog post or a landing page or a workflow without any commitment to a retainer. They can buy a retainer if they want, but if that, they do buy that retainer, then they can cancel any time before their next billing date. So it's not even 30 days notice, it can be one day's notice. So I would say uh, as compared to, again, and you made this move yourself, from the agency, like the traditional agency retainer model, this seems like a pretty drastic pivot, right? When did you realize it was time? Was it just this idea of, well, us as buyers, we know how we want to be sold or how we want to buy, um, but how did you know it was time for the agency to, to roll that out? Mm. So I, I think the, the idea for it had been sort of simmering in the background for yeah. quite a while. So um, we'd been listening to the freemium model um, and looking at the way HubSpot was positioning freemium and even suggesting it to agencies. And there's even a case study of us on the, the HubSpot website of how we had used freemium before. Mm. But we weren't really using freemium with our services or even that low commitment level. So the idea had been bubbling for a long time. And as we were finding it harder and harder to sell longer um, retainers, we thought we need to take some drastic action to make mm. it much easier to win a bid and to reduce the sales cycle. 
So you felt the yeah. friction in the sales process, you know, how, do we, how do we solve for this? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So we wanted to cut down the, t the days to close for, for working with us. We wanted to make it so that it was easier to get started and start seeing results. And that would, in theory, lead to longer term commitments. Yeah. And I think that's safe to say that that has done as well. That's great. That's happy to hear that. Uh, <laughs> as you, so what does like, the rollout process look like? Right. I would assume that all of your sales documentation, your proposals, your conversations, I would assume a lot of aspects had to change to accommodate like, well, what assets in particular do you want like developed and here's kind of the new contract terms. Like, How did you go about rolling that out? What does it now look like? So the first thing that had to change was our pricing page and we added a new page to the website that was a task request page. So, task request page, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So instead of it being, um, here's what you would get if you signed up to this package, it was, oh, you want this? Fill in this form, mm -hmm. we'll just send you a bill and then we'll do it. Hmm. Yeah, um, and it was a paid upfront thing. So again, just like a product, um, you know, if I go to Amazon, I've got to pay before they'll deliver it to me sure, in a day. Yeah. Um, you've got to pay before you get your blog post delivered to you in four days. Hmm. Um, so we had that, that task request page there to really signify that change overall. And it's only once they go past that form on the page that they see any reference to an option for a retainer at all. So we just had to go back to, as you say, the sales documentation, mm -hmm. our marketing collateral, and start rolling that back into what were the component deliverables that we were talking about and putting that at the front and center of our sales and marketing collateral. Mm -hmm. And that's what led to um, having positioned it and having put it out there for people to see. And that's what I think led to getting the increased inbound inquiries and people actually, rather than coming to our website saying, can I talk to someone about this? Mm -hmm. Having people come to our website and saying, can I have this? Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't a competitive process. It wasn't a bid. It wasn't a pitch. It was, I want this. Yeah. The decision yeah. has already been made, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it's a real, it's an opportunity for people to try before they buy as well totally. and, and to build that trust and for them to have a completely risk-free way to see what it would be like to, um, to work with us mm -hmm. and, and to, to build up that relationship from there. That's great. Uh, do you know like the percentage of folks that came from a task inquiry that have moved on to a full retainer? How does that feel in comparison to what your traditional or, or old retainer business was like? Like what, what is, how does that compare? So I think the, the volume comparison is, it, there isn't a comparison. So we had so few retainers coming in. Mm -hmm. yeah, we, we had enough to keep an agency going and to right. build an agency. Um, but we didn't have enough coming in that can compare to the number of tasks. That oh, come gotcha. In. So the volume would make a, percentage comparison very different but in terms of people who come in and request something and then go on to request something else I'd say that that's more more common than not um, so people very rarely come and say oh I want you to design these templates for me um, and then say oh I don't want anything else from you ever again we've made it easy for them to work with us so they come back again oh, later. Gotcha. So the, the volume of task inquiries coming in drastically outweighs the total amount of retainers you have but what you're also saying is that the majority of these inquiries they go well enough where they continue to, to request additional work or services. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it definitely is recurring business not necessarily retainer but mm -hmm. definitely recurring revenue yeah. what did it change from like a, a revenue forecasting perspective right i would assume there's just a little like layers of uncertainty <laughs> that you didn't have like how does that how did you manage that or how do you accommodate that <laughs> <laughs> who wants to take that one cool. yeah. yeah yeah that that sounds like an interesting business idea we should probably have thought of that yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to take that or me oh i think let's leave that to the to the uh the sales guy yeah. to yeah. so take that one. 
our predictable revenue um, is still based on retainers by and large. Sure. But we do know what we expect as a minimum in from task-based mm. or project-based work. Um, so we we work on the assumption that it's that worst case scenario of X many um, X many tasks worth X amount, mm -hmm. um, and we work from there and we build the infrastructure of the agency around that minimum worst case scenario, oh, gotcha. and then typically we will exceed that. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, we're not so good at accurately identifying how much we've got coming in, but we are good at saying we can expect this much to come in, sure. and I don't think we've actually missed that minimum number. Mm, no, our forecasting's nope. been yeah. pretty spot on. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So there's like you, you time going back to timing, right? You knew like okay, you have the retainer business that supports the kind of the foundation mm -hmm. of the agency. Knowing that that's in place, we have the ability to to know that there's a layer of uncertainty. But it sounds like again, you're 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 meeting and exceeding sales goals mm -hmm. as they come in. And to your point too, the task inquiry form continues to sounds like it grows and it's mm -hmm. a lever for repeat business. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And it's fair to say as well, I think those as those retainers that we had before we moved into this model have come to a close in terms of the original um, the original contract, yeah. we haven't sold them onto the same contract that they had in the first place. We've mm -hmm. moved them onto these 30-day retainers where they can cancel up to oh, gotcha. any day up to the next one, and they've loved that. And I think by and large, um, those the values of those retainers have actually increased because people know that if they need to, next month they can cut that down to oh, zero or to um, half or whatever yeah. it might be. So you've actually seen it help the revenue coming in from those retainers by moving or like transitioning them to the, the new cancellation policy, the, the new... Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Our, our retained business is now worth more than it was before we did this model. Obviously, this whole idea is behind like we want to sell the way consumers want to buy. So, what has the feedback been from the clients, like anecdotal or, or otherwise? Well, how have they um, communicated? Or how do they define working with mm. you guys now under this new model? Um, I think they're a lot, a, a lot happier with how open the relationship is, and um, there's definitely a lot more trust um, coming, uh, just coming back again to this idea of um, you know you can cancel any time. It's absolutely fine. We're not looking you in. We have nothing to hide. Um, and our that's really driven our processes as well with customers. Mm. So um, the turnaround times for a, a task are as predictable as they can possibly be. And um, if we say that we're going to um, to deliver something in a, a certain amount of time, it is because our processes. Usually. Back up the, yeah. usually. 100% of the time. <laughs> big, yeah, yeah, yeah million percent exactly. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, what's going on back in London? Yeah. While I'm <laughs> um, from that perspective, like delivery and process, I would assume that there's a huge time tracking element here. Um, so like walk me through how much time tracking, where do you need to be from a time tracking perspective to feel mm -hmm. confident rolling out this sort of like new productized uh, model? Yeah, so we, over the, uh, the course of about two years, would you say, two yeah. and a half years, we religiously toggled every single task that we did, whether that was something that we were doing for ourselves, for our own marketing internally or for mm -hmm. customers, um, and, and kind of found that average time for each deliverable. Um, and we've we then used that to figure out our pricing from there, um, plus our turnaround times. So typically, if um, say a blog post is one points worth of work, and mm -hmm. um, that would be four times the number of points that we can realistically expect to turn that around for for the customer. And then behind the scenes, we have all of the processes that are in place to support that. And um, so we have a really tight QA process, and um, which means. 
and it, ideally, and mm. nine times out of ten, <laughs> I would say, um, that we, we keep revisions to an absolute minimum. We yeah. include a certain amount of revisions, of course, and again, that goes back to the um, the trust factor. Yeah. Um, and you, but, so you communicate a cap on, on revisions? Yeah, so yeah. a minimum, uh, sorry, a maximum of two revi revisions yeah. in total. No need to set minimums. <laughs> 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 no, we love revisions. Yeah, Please right. give us more. But you, so it's, it's what communicated in whatever the contractor bill or proposal, but what a cap exactly. of, of two, you said? Yeah, yeah. A cap of two. Um, but ideally, I mean, we don't even start on a piece of content, for example, until we've had a conversation about it. Um, which scopes out very clearly exactly what that piece of content is designed to do, um, what the uh, what the CTA will be, how it fits into that customer's wider mm. um, strategy, and um, what what they don't want to include. Um, Every single detail is, is covered off in that conversation. We then go away and write a plan, and um, we then complete our research mm. and make sure that we've kind of covered every single possible base. And it's it's only at that point that we will ask whether the customer approves the plan or not. And if it's a thumbs up, great, we, we go and create the content. If not, then we have to have another conversation. So the time so, frame for delivery, so for example, you said it's always the four times the point. So blog uh -huh. post is one or whatever it is, yeah. and it's going to be four days from there. But you don't start counting. The clock doesn't start ticking until, until you've gotten the sign off on that plan. Exactly. Research has been conducted. Itself. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, we, then we have processes in place to complete all of the previous steps as quickly as possible. But there has to be some leeway there because obviously, customers don't have um, always have an infinite amount of time. <laughs> and they may not want to be that involved with the process. And that is fine, too. And so we can go away and confidently produce a plan that we know they'll be happy with. And they can tick, sign off, and, and we go from there. So it really it's really kind of molded to, to what the customer wants and how yeah. involved they want to be. That's great. Um, obviously, we've mentioned points a couple times. I would assume that or some, view, like some folks watching mm -hmm. are probably familiar with points. Maybe others aren't. What motivated? your uh, decision to incorporate like points-based pricing for, for the, mm. the productized assets? So our journey in pricing and packaging has been a very, very long one overall. So when we very first started, we, we didn't really have any sort of meter on what we were doing. We had different packages that had different deliverables in them, but we didn't actually originally have time tracking or hourly tracking in place. We just did stuff, and yeah. we didn't really realize yeah. that we were losing all of our money. Yeah, um, I feel like that's a growing pain many agencies <laughs> go through. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, we didn't then move over to hourly billing. We moved over to points-based pricing, very much inspired by the PR2020. Model, um, and that that worked pretty well for us for a long while, but we would often find people would quibble with us over. Oh, in this case, I don't think it's five points for this blog post. I think it's four because I'll do this bit for you and oh. stuff like that. Yeah. And so that quibbling over that point value. Um, we found didn't help us to deliver the great, greatest experience. It led to people just trying to make it much easier mm -hmm. for them, etc. And that came from points um, not equaling an hour, but being starting point is like an hour. You know, one point is roughly an hour. So we stood back from that and we thought, what can you really do in an hour? That's a, a productized yeah. deliverable. You you might be able to do I don't know a very quick CTA or something like that, but not a lot. Sure. Yeah, and certainly not including two uh, revisions within that. Right. So we took points and zoomed right out and said instead of one point is roughly one hour, one point is roughly one day. Mm. Yep. And that means that you can say, okay, I will do the design of a landing page in one point for you. Yeah. yeah. And that means that people don't then suddenly go, oh no, actually it's two points. It's, no, a point's so clear in its size right. 
that it's not that quibbleable, quibbleable new word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that meant that we now charge in half a point, one point, two points, or three points, nothing else. Yeah. Everything. So everything falls under there. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. then it rolls up to the delivery timelines as well. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And obviously, if people want something turned around faster, we can get more people on it. But obviously, that's going to sure. double down on the points because yeah. there are two people. And that's for pro that's for points time. for a particular assets or products, mm -hmm. but I, I can imagine that an agreement might be worth more points if they want a collection of, of certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we will obviously give preferential pricing on a point if they are signing up to a retainer. Now, they're not going to be hooked into three months, six months. It'll still be on that sure. you know, up until your next billing date arrangement. But the price per point will reduce if they're purchasing four, eight, six. So there's points. incentive to have larger mm -hmm. agreements. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, so imagine that we've successfully sold somebody on the idea to replicate this sort of like, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to build a tasking reform. I'm going to start to, to, to deliver um, work in this sort of model. Have you encountered any pitfalls, potholes, things that like pain, growing pains and trying to roll this out in which others may uh, potentially be able to learn from? Yeah, I think it's the, 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 the scope of work factor. So we thought by what we were doing in the first place of productizing and saying, you're getting this blog post, you're getting this workflow, yeah. that that was really clearly defined and that kind of was the scope of work. Until you start talking to customers who have completely different definitions of what those <laughs> words mean. Yeah. So um, uh, one might be, you know, we say landing page and they see that as seven page microsite or something sure, like that. Right. But the more common one was workflow. So we, we were saying, okay, we'll build your workflow with X many emails in and X many branches. And to them, because the emails pointed to um, a landing page or pointed to the pricing page of their site or whatnot, they would see that as, well, therefore, you should be building that page for me uh, as well. It's like, well, no, that would be an extra point. Yeah. Um, and that led to that sort of misalignment of expectations around um, the scope of work. Mm. So we've had to accept that when you are productizing, especially if it's worth multiple points rather than just one point, uh, if it's two or three points, then we need to itemize the details of that product. Mm. So um, looking at it as if, if something is one point, then it's kind of... It, it, that is the scope of work. Right. Yeah. But if something's two or three points, we need to look at it more as a bundle. So you're going to say, great, you bought our workflow package with this many emails, this many branches. It does not include Oh, blah. you call out exactly uh -huh. what it doesn't include? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Yeah. And that's allowed us to keep a much better handle on the scope of work and to make sure that that's communicated in the very first notification that the customer gets when they fill in their task request form. Mm. Bang, this is what's included, this is what's not. That's great. Yeah. Mm. Um, what's next for, and you mentioned it's an iterative process, so uh, do you have any future setting or where you want to take um, the, the product to productized uh, asset delivery? Like where's it going from here? Mm. Um, so what we're working on at the moment is that this service is working really, really well at sort of mid-market and small business mm -hmm. level. Um, and we do have corporate multinational companies that are on this sort of service as well, but they do want more um, time to brainstorm, to just be able to say, I want to be able to pick up the phone and just brainstorm with someone yeah. for a while. A strategy element? Yeah. Consulting? yeah, exactly. And what we always have looked to include that as sort of, if you're buying eight points and you can have a monthly, um, a monthly strategy call sure. and we'll plan that out and how you're going to use it, et cetera. 
some of those larger organizations want that custom time. So for the first time ever, we are introducing an hourly billing system that is literally, if you just want blocks of time, then you can buy a block of time from us. We'll work up to that amount of time, just like a traditional hourly arrangement. But then if you want us to do anything, it will be on this task-driven, productized system. Yeah. So we won't charge you hourly for doing a, a landing page or whatnot. We'll help you strategize on an hourly basis. And then from there, every deliverable will be task-based. Yeah, just go purchase from the, the task-based list, right? Just from yeah, there. That's exactly. Great. That's exciting. Yeah. I'll be interested to hear how that goes. Yeah, so uh, will we. <laughs> uh, final question for you. I ask this to all the guests. Um, what would you say is the weirdest or strangest part of agency life? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's tempting to say to customers, but that's not, not entirely fair. <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. But they have, yeah. yeah. I think it's the it's coming back to that scope of work piece yeah. almost. It's um, realizing that up until a certain point, you might have been speaking a completely different language sure. to the person you're working yeah. for slash with. Um, and to come to something and be, being really proud of what you've delivered, knowing it's going to hit all of their goals, but it doesn't do it how they were expecting, and therefore there's been a miscommunication somewhere yeah. along the line. There's, yeah, yeah, just we speak different languages while all speaking the same language sometimes. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. that's yeah. great. Um, I, I honestly appreciate you guys coming in so much. Um, this has been fun, uh, but I think that's it for us. So I appreciate Lovely. you taking the time. Thank, Thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. Yes. Thanks, guys. This has been Agency Unfiltered. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. If you like what you saw, heard, or read, make sure to subscribe to our playlist on YouTube, our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or our newsletter on agencyunfiltered.com. Alongside episode launch notifications, the newsletter also comes with a ton of other helpful, strategically curated agency content from yours truly. And if you wanna keep the conversation going or provide a counterpoint to this episode's discussion, Tweet me at, at Kevin underscore Dunn. I'll see you again in two weeks. But in the meantime, keep it unfiltered and let's all grow.